Thank you for joining us today on Elemental Collision. My name is Dave Graham. Today we're going to be talking about community and history. And I have a special guest for you to listen to. So, without further ado, thank you for listening to us here at Elemental Collision. Let's join the conversation. I'm here today with Donald Fallon from Three Castles Burning, a wonderful podcast if you haven't heard it. Um, I'll get him to talk about it at the end just to make sure that y'all are aware of what's, what's going on here. But in interest of community, which is basically the series that we've been doing here on Elemental Collision, I wanted to take a look at the history of community and, and really how that affects us in a day-to-day basis, right? If you've paid attention to Three Castles Burning and some of the community aspects that's been talked about there, you know, history is, uh, has shown us dangerous precedents, if you will, <laughs> you know, for what could happen. But it also is a, a life lesson, right? And so Donald spent a lot of time researching history specifically in Ireland, specifically around Dublin. And uh, I wanted to get his take on some stuff. So the big question we'll start out with Donald is uh, history and community. How can we use that past to help guide us towards the future? And it's loaded. So you take your time in response on that one. It's a big question, but all the best questions are big questions, aren't they, I suppose? And I would say at the start that uh, you know, people are listening to this saying, oh, Dublin history doesn't really appeal to me. I think there was something fundamentally true uh, in, in what James Joyce said, that you know, at the heart of the particular is the universal. And while my product might be specifically about this city, and it's not a particularly large city, you know, there's more people living in the greater London area than live on the entire island of Ireland. Really what it's about is also promoting, I suppose, and, and pushing to the fore just incredible stories of, of human endurance, uh, human connection. And also a lot of this is about the world, you know, and about the connections between this little place and, and the world, how we've influenced the world and how the world has kind of influenced us. And I think the reason I became a historian and the reason I kind of gave my life towards history was that I always had a sense that history was the thread, if you will, that kind of binds us uh, as, as people, whether we know it or whether we don't. And in every aspect of our lives, you know, from the sports teams we follow, we follow a team because our father followed the team or our grandfather followed the team. You know, the pubs or the shops that we visit, it's the same thing. Everything we do, I think, is influenced by the community that we belong to and what they did before us. So I find that really fascinating. And I was also interested in how do you fit in the new, you know, these new communities that arrive in Dublin. And often you find that they're not as new as you might first think, that, you know, going back uh, through time, that there had always been this migrant kind of thing going on in Dublin, that always been outsiders shaping us as people. So for me, it was important to show the, the tread of community through history. And I think that shapes how people are today and also how people, you know, think about uh, the possibilities of, of, of the future. And ultimately, I think there's no point for me doing articles on like the first traffic lights in Dublin or you know the first whatever <laughs> in Dublin. The things, the things that you study and write about have a core function. And that, I think that core function is trying to bring people on some level together. Yeah, so I, I thought it was really interesting, I, obviously given kind of the social unrest that's happened this year, and, and rightly so, right? I think there's a there's a necessary level of agitation that has to happen within society, right? Ch- change doesn't happen if people stay silent. Change doesn't happen if there's not a catalyst for it, right? So mm. I know one of the uh, initial, you know, one of the initial podcasts you come out this year was talking about Frederick Douglass, right? And his inter- intersection with Irish community as well. And, you know, do you find as you go through these bits of history, um, you know, that there's, there's this, uh, you said this thread, but you know, like uh, taking that kind of 
textile look at things as well. Do you, are you finding kind of a, a fabric to what you're, what you see within how Irish community has kind of spread around the world? Is there more connections that to be found number one, but number two, are you seeing you know, like common themes like there, this kind of specific intersection? with uh, the Hibernian metropolis, which, by the way, great phrase. I've been using that a lot, too. Yeah, I love that term, Hibernian metropolis. And uh, I think Joyce, in, when he used that term in Ulysses, he was probably taking the piss out of Dublin because it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel like a metropolis, you know, in the sense that Manhattan is a metropolis or, or London is a metropolis. I think he was kind of making fun of the small-town nature uh, of Dublin with that one. But, like, the Frederick Douglass story and the reason I, I wrote about that and the kind of anti-slavery stuff in Dublin more broadly and, and podcasted on that was uh, I think there's a tendency in Ireland and it, it's well intended but I don't think it it, it it does good the Irish always say oh we were we were oppressed people we were you know a victim of colonialism and just, there was never racism in Irish and you know in Ireland and you don't get to be racist in Irish and all this stuff but actually history is a lot more nuanced than that you know it's a lot more nuanced than that and there were racist people in Ireland in the 17th 18th 19th centuries but there are also people that were very much to the fore in opposing that and what I found incredible about the Douglas story was these like remarkable people from Dublin whose names are now totally forgotten like Richard Webb and you know people who they were unusual people they were Quakers in some cases they were you know uh, there were people that were on the kind of fringes of Irish life but that they committed themselves so passionately to the global issues of the day I thought was really really inspiring so the idea of small town Dublin or Ireland as this little island that isn't an international player I always like to shake that and to find examples of Irish people in, in, in global history who did inspiring things and tried to connect Ireland to the bigger tapestry, if you will, of, of what was happening uh, in the world. But I think it's, um, that's really resonated with people, those stories this year, the, the anti-slavery stuff and the history of that. And through the podcast, there's been talk now of the City Council erecting plaques uh, in places in Dublin where Douglas went and where Douglas spoke. I think that's the, the lovely effect that these are kind of, this is new media, if you know what I mean, podcasts, especially in Ireland. But that, that podcast sparked something in people. And then one listener went out to the city council and said, we should put up a plaque to Douglas in Dublin. I think that's amazing how the, the, the new and the old can, can, in, can intersect and can meet like that. Well, yeah, I think, you know, and, and some of the things that you brought up as part of, I, I think, similar discourse, right? You know, I think it might have been a dis- different episodes. Uh, again, you know, we try to sometimes erase the past, you know, like we take action against visible monuments, right? I think... <laughs> We can we can pick any example out of you know North Dublin, right? So anything that's on o- O'Connell Street. Um, yeah, I was going to say the yeah. stick in the Liffey, but we're not going to go down that path. <laughs> like, but, um, interestingly nuanced words. Uh, you know, you got to love the, uh, the, the the preeminence of that that phrase, which I learned when I first came to Dublin. Um, you know, we try to erase the past a lot, but, you know, remembering the positives around that, I think there's, there's that interesting contrast, right? So a plaque is great, you know, to, to remind, uh, remind people of what once was, right, in a positive note. But, you know, do you see that there's a reason to keep around some of the more um, gutting reminders of what we've done, you know, in the world versus try to erase them off the face of the earth? It's such a great question. And the... The Bolsheviks in Russia used to have a great joke. They always said that the uh, the future is guaranteed, but the past is uncertain. You know that it was history and the kind of the the, the landmines of history that would that would cause problems in the future. Uh, I think a lot of it is is about 
how stuff is presented, you know, so where is the stuff? And I, I think it's a real pity now when you walk through the streets of Dublin, you don't really get a sense that Dublin was once the second city of the British Empire. You don't see that anywhere, really. You know, maybe in the grey the grey brick architecture, you kind of get you get the feeling that this place was once a very important place in the 18th century when you look at the buildings, but you don't really see the symbols. And I always think to myself, what 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 had they? What if they had just taken those symbols and moving them to a moved them to a new location where they lacked the same political power? If that makes sense, you know that they could have, like in when I remember being in in Eastern Europe and Lithuania and visiting visiting Monument Park, where these monuments of, you know, Soviet dictators were now on display in a space where they didn't have the same kind of emotional uh, power over people. So I think like, there's, a, there's a good argument for, for removing these things uh, from the locations in which they may stand, but not entirely, that they can still be seen and still be engaged with in a, in a museum setting. I thought it was interesting in the U.S., watching all of that play out, the statue politics of, of, of recent years, that often the, the, the Confederate monuments of the Civil War, when they were pulled down by protesters, they just smashed on hitting the ground. And they smashed because they were cheap. You know, they were made of like really, really cheap plaster material. And the aim of the statues was really never to, to last a long time. You know, they went up in the Jim Crow era and they were kind of, you know, they were designed to say, we own this town, you don't. And here's a statue to remind you of that. But, uh, you know, in Ireland, a lot of the statues were these beautiful kind of bronze real kind of imperial monuments of, you know, guys on the back of horses and just incredible, massive pieces of work which yeah. were destroyed in a really beautiful little twist. If you ever find yourself in Ballymun, Ballymun is probably most famous now for being home to uh, the, I think it's the largest Ikea in Europe, but it's also <laughs> a very there you go. historic, <laughs> kind of very historic um, kind of working class part of Dublin, which had its own major problems socially in the 60s to 70s. Uh, but there's a monument out there of a local kid on the back of a horse. And she's wearing an Adidas, or Adidas, as they say in the States, tracksuit, uh, and a chain. But she's the horse that she's sitting on is a direct copy. They've done a, a, a copy of Lord Gough, one of the imperial monuments that was blown up in, in the Phoenix Park. So they, they took something that was kind of British imperial, uh, designed to make a statement, you know, that you know Ireland is part of the British Empire. They've recast the horse and they put this young kind of Dublin kid on top of it. And I think that's really, really nice. I liked Banksy's idea in Bristol in England. I thought it was really funny of putting the statue that was torn down in Bristol back up and beside it putting a bronze statue of a, a, a kid tearing it down. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you would have them playing off each other. And it's been an interesting time because statues and monuments they're not really about the past anyway. You know, they're, they're always about the contemporary and they're always the contemporary world making its point and saying, this is how we feel. They really, on, on, on one level, they're much more about now than then. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, like the, the bull on Wall Street, right, with the little girl, uh, I think is, a, is something that comes to mind for me. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's that kind of, you know, it's interesting juxtaposition here, something that's so fierce and, and crazy and, you know, obviously intemperate, right? <laughs> and it's being yeah. cowed by this little, you know, little person, isn't right? It, isn't it crazy when you, when I, I haven't been in New York in many, many years, but in recent times when, when, you know, the, when the protests kind of reached fever pitch and they kind of descended into kind of, you know, looting and stuff, that there were cops around that bull 
So like you know, things were getting smashed up a couple of blocks away, but the bull was paramount. You know, this, the mon because the, the the image of the destroyed monument or whatever is so powerful that they they kind of have to be protected at all at all costs. But the way something as simple as that little monument of the of the girl confronting it can just change the entire meaning of the thing, I find that really really fascinating. And I wish in Dublin like we'd 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 kept. Like Nelson's Pillar, this beautiful column in the middle of O'Connell Street, like Nelson's column in London. And the thing is just gone now, and it's replaced by the spire, you know, the stiletto in the ghetto, the stiffy by the liffy, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> if only we could have reclaimed it and, and, and made it our own, we, we, we'd, we'd have something truly beautiful there. Well, now you got a big piece of metal pointing to the sky with the, you know, I think it's got a green light on top of it at some point, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. Ian, Ritchie, Ian Ritchie, the guy who put it up, uh, I always found this kind of funny because the the original monument was Wicklow granite, which is the best Irish material you can get. And an Irish architect called Francis Johnson. This thing that we have now is a London-based architect using French material. So the, the monument that was blown up was more Irish than the monument that's there now. But anyway. <laughs> well, we ascribe meaning to things, I suppose, and regardless of where yes. they come from, right? So it's <laughs> interesting. No, I appreciate the walk through history there. I, you know, the monuments thing is always... You know, Again, I have half a mind uh, you know, to look at it like, well, we need these stark reminders of, of the pain that we've caused, right? But mm. it's interesting, as you said, you know, we, we kind of create them in the moment that they were that, that we view it, right? We we mm. ascribe meaning to things regardless of, you know, to a certain extent on a personal level, we ascribe meaning to things as we see them, right? So again, you, as you've noted, I can go into onto O'Connell Street, I can see that, you know, metal edifice and say, wow, that's, uh, that's a unique piece of modern art. <laughs> Um, mm. but you know, having, but that's the way I view things in isolation of my mind, my culture, my, my mm. personhood, right. You know, obviously you with more historical context can remember, you know, can remember or can research or understand things around it. Now, were we there when everything was blown up? No, but the perspective that we have on that, you know, it changes. It fundamentally alters that. I think there's, there's something to be said for the memorial, but yeah. I, I think, you know, removing the context from these things a lot of times removes the power. So as you're saying, you know, we could create a the discarded monument park, right? And you remove the power from a lot of these things into the, con you know, from the context that they were created in. So if I removed, you know, again, the United States analogy here, if I remove the, the statue of General Lee from where it was, where it was standing in a, in a racially divided neighborhood. I put that out in the country mm. in a little fenced in park. I've suddenly removed context and meaning to it. It doesn't change who it was about. It doesn't change what it was about, yeah. but it changes how we perceive the perceive it in the grand scheme of things as well. It, it kind of removes that, that power from it. Right. And it, it's funny cause it's, 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 Pardon the pun. It's neither black nor white. It's, it's, it's very gray. Like you have some monuments like uh, the emancipation memorial in the States, which was, you know, un uh, unveiled by Frederick Douglass, financed pretty much entirely by former slaves. And now a lot of kind of young Black Lives Matters activists say we don't like what that monument looks like anymore, or what it represents. So the, the meaning of something that was even intended as a, as, a, as a positive can shift, you know, in time as, as, a, as, as what we personally think aesthetically is, is acceptable changes. So, yeah, these things like, I don't think, maybe there was a time when you put up a monument and you would say that will be there in a thousand years. Nowadays, I don't know if we could tell about any monument that's up. You know, we don't know how, how society's view on these things will, will ultimately change. But the real pity in Ireland, and it was, it's also the pity in the States, I would, I would like if more of the discussion was around not these monuments of, of men that we don't find agreeable anymore, 
But, you know, talk about who's missing, you know, instead of, you know, tear down that, why don't we talk about why, why, why can't we put up a monument to someone else? You know, why can't we, like in, in London, for example, the Parliament Square by Westminster, only in recent years have they put up statues of, you know, uh, Millie Fawcett, who was a suffragette, a suffragette uh, Mandela. You know, you change the meaning of, of a place the more and more monuments go up there. And I, I wish we had a more positive discussion on uh, not just who we take down, but who we put up. I mean, that's that's an important discussion. In, in Dublin, most of the monuments are of women, for example, are fictional women, like Molly Malone from the from the Great Ballad, um, you know, or like two fictional female shoppers by the Haypenny Bridge. There's very few women on the streets of Dublin, and that's something that's kind of worth talking about. And it's the same in the States. I mean, proactively going out and trying to get the, the artists, the fundraising, everything to, to get new monuments, I think would be very worthwhile. I think there's an incentivization that has to happen too. I mean, not for nothing. Society is driven usually on the back of an economy at some point, right? So, it, mm. it, you know, to a, to a certain perspective, you know, uh, I'll take the piss out of my president here for a moment. You know, like we pardoned Susan B. Anthony, you know, mm. in the past two weeks for, for what exactly again? You know, what did she do that was... <laughs> You know, and so this raging debate about, you know, taking the racist President Andrew Jackson off our $20 bill, right, and mm -hmm. replacing it with someone who has meaning. I think that this is this is perfectly, you know, this resonates perfectly with what you're just saying, right? There's an incentivization to change these things. And, you know, as, as folks like yourself, and I'm going to ask you about why you got into history here in a second, but, you know, as folks like yourself uncover kind of the, the richness of you know, again, it's not always the people that are most prominent that drive society along or drive community along. A lot of times it's, mm. <clears throat> you know, people that maybe are, are more quiet, but they're bolstering the support. You know, Quakers weren't known for being ultimately demonstrative, right? They were a peaceful yeah. kind of, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> kind of religion or organization or denomination, if you look at it from, from that kind of exegetical standpoint, right? But they did things through, you know, continued presence continued purpose right mm -hmm. and they were able to kind of drag sometimes unwillingly along you know society as it came about they instituted change by being different by being that wedge that kind of changed things you know we can use economy as a wedge we can use um mm. history as a wedge right because we're trying to drive that different view so Today, and let's pivot into that. What got you into history? I mean, why, why look at history at all? I mean, it can be very painful. It can be very, you know, beautiful as well. So what, what kind of came to your mind when you started down this path of uncovering, let's, you know, Ireland's history? Um, I listened to a really lovely podcast in, in the United States called The Bowery Boys. I don't know if you ever heard them. They're like a New York social history podcast. And I remember as a, a, a young lad, about maybe 12, 13, being taken to New York on a family holiday. And, and it really struck me that even at that age, that history, a lot of it happened, but it was very spread out, you know, across the city. Mm -hmm. So you, you'd, be, you'd be traveling a fair distance between sites and they'd all be very powerful sites. They'd all hit you in their own, in their own way, but they were far apart. Whereas Dublin, I think it's such a small place, Dublin that the, the layers of history are just absolutely everywhere. You really can't walk down even O'Connell Street without time and time again being struck by it. You know, you have, you know, of course, you have Daniel O'Connell at the top of the street. Within a minute, you're looking at Larkin, the general post office, Moore Street. So it, in Dublin, you know, you may not be interested in history, but history is interested in you because it's kind of everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. And uh, I think just that overwhelming sense of the past uh, in Ireland, it's very, very strong. And historians in Ireland, generally speaking, I think have a greater platform than maybe any other country on earth. Like if we have a TV panel discussion in Ireland, like, uh, like 
something like The Week in Politics. You know, these kind of shows that happen all over the world where they dissect the week. There's always a historian on the panel. And I can't think of any other nation on earth where amidst the politicians, there's there's nearly always someone giving the historical <laughs> perspective. So We're in Ireland, you, here, you kind so. of... Yeah, you kind, of, you kind of grow up with history as this very alive thing uh, in Ireland. You know, like even in, in the Irish Times newspaper, uh, one of the columnists, he's in it every week, Dermot Ferreter is a historian who every person in Ireland would know. Mm. You know, if Dermot, if Dermot Ferreter walks on the street, every person in Ireland knows who he is. So the consciousness of history in Ireland, I think, is so high that we, we definitely produce more historians uh, per population than any other nation on earth, which I think is fantastic in its own way. So, yeah, I think that the, the, the growing up with this sense that history was a, not only was it a powerful, it wasn't just a powerful thing that happened in the past, but it was something that shaped the world we live in now. I thought that was pretty amazing. And I don't want to like sound like I'm, in, I, I sometimes worry that I sound like I'm kind of insulting kind of enthusiasts who are interested in the history of trains or the history <laughs> of, um, you know, the history of bin lids or anything like that. That's all good, and it's great that people do that stuff. I think that that like the the local historian, the enthusiast, that's all very good, and it's good for people, and it's good for community too. But I, I understood, I think myself, that history was part of the contemporary discourse, you know, and and you were kind of you were you were getting involved in in the world today, not just the world of the past, depending how you approach history. Nice. Yeah, actually, local historian thing. <laughs> so the town I live in has a, a local history thing, and I—I I gotta be honest, I've never gone in there because I always look askance at it. Like, uh, do I really want to know what happened in this town? You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's always a funny thing. But no, I appreciate the it's still. For I it. mean, the word when you put the word local in front of anything. The word local in front of anything kind of gives it like a negative connotation, doesn't it? Like a you know, local celebrity, local news. Everything just sounds less when it's, when it's, when it's local. But they still do. Those, those people do great work, you know, in, in their own way too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a commitment to a cause there for sure. You know, it's uh, – yeah, I know I couldn't do it. You know, I probably don't have the mindset or the, or the dedication for it. So – you know, when you look at all this stuff, and I, you know, again, I've I've appreciated so much uh, your podcast accompanies me on my my daily walks most of the time, right? Um, what, you know, where are you where do you find yourself being drawn to? What specifically? I, again, you you've, you've talked a lot yeah, about Irish history, but what's kind of what's kind of driving you? Um, so the the, the the reoccurring theme that often comes through, I suppose, is that the the historical subjects are shaped by the contemporary news. So I often would like go, oh, that's interesting what's happening now. What's the historical precedent of that? And I, I think that there's a, a reason that I, I do a weekly history slot on, on News Talk with a radio station here. And I also always try and tie that in to something. So uh, it can be something quite trivial. Like we have a great band here, globally significant now, The Fontaines. Mm -hmm. uh, their latest album cover was a historic image. Uh, of Cucullin, great piece of Irish art. So I would talk about that and try and explain that to people. So I always wanted to try and make history relevant in, in the contemporary sphere. So that uh, that's the reason we did. Had the Black Lives Matter thing not blown up in the States, that edition on Douglas and the anti-slavery movement, I would have eventually done that because I find it an interesting subject, but I just felt compelled to do it then because of what was happening in a contemporary sense. So definitely very shaped by what's happening right now, you know, in the news, like monuments, for example, the, the, the edition of monuments was the same, uh, trying to tap into the, the zeitgeist, if you will, of yeah. what's happening at a moment in time and trying to just throw history into it, uh, kind of like a grenade, you know, just trying to rock the, 
whatever the conversation is, just trying to, to throw the historical uh, perspective into it. Oh, well, as someone who's a listener, I, I appreciate it very, very much. You know, at least it gives me context to a place that I love. Um, you know, so what's the future hold for you, Donald? Like, where are you, where are you, where are you going with all this stuff? Where, um, where, where do you, what do you see? What do you see for yourself? And what do you see for the larger audience that's out there? For myself, I mean, this year, obviously, look, this year has been a massive transformative change for the world that we live in. And I mean, for me, primarily my, my living was, was teaching a little bit uh, and, and tours of the city and all that kind of collapsed in about an hour on one day in March. I remember watching the TV news and we'd uh, a government minister on Simon Harris at the time and he, he basically shut the economy down in, in half an hour. You know, it, it had to be done. But you have to think on your feet and be like, okay, what do we do now? And for me, this year has involved a lot of uh, kind of getting to grips properly with these kind of new mediums. And it's really interesting that, I mean, I launched the podcast in November, but it was originally every two weeks. And, you know, it was kind of, it was something I was doing on the side. But the way people connected to it, I was getting emails all the time from people, uh, sometimes uh, older people who'd never listened to a podcast before. Like one fella is... His son got in touch with me and I would send him the MP3 file and he'd put it on a CDR and give it to us. That, you know, amazing stuff like that. Like connecting with people who'd never listened to podcasts before. I thought that was great. But even younger people, I would get emails from people saying, I've never actually stopped. You know, I walk to work every day in Rings End or whatever and I've never actually stopped and looked at the streets. And now I walk around town, listen to your podcast and I stop and I look at things. So if anything good has come out of the madness of this year, I think it's that we're all a little bit more conscious of you know, where we live, the communities we live in. Uh, we've all built kind of new contacts, new links. And I think that's been really good for the podcast in a weird way that uh, people are just a lot more conscious of, 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 of Dublin as a place, not just a place to go to work, but a place that they live and enjoy. And uh, that's been really nice. That's been really, really nice. If, if anything has been nice this year. Excellent. Well, by all means, let's, let's plug what you're doing. So give a quick description yes, I mean, of Three Castles Burning, where it came from and... You know where they. Can yeah, I mean, it's it's central influence. I suppose that that uh, your listeners might know is the Barry Boys. I was very, I was just very taken by this idea of a weekly kind of twenty-five to forty-minute slice of New York history that was aimed at New Yorkers, but a visitor could go there and go, oh, "I learned this great thing from this podcast." And I listened to that and thought that could work in Dublin, and they could work in Cork, it could work in Galway, it could work in Limerick, it could work in Belfast. Like the model of a local history podcast that celebrates the city. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's it's topography, the geography, the people. I think that model can work anywhere. And I'm amazed that other cities don't have an equivalent. Like cities that are much bigger than Dublin don't have, you know, like I love Berlin. I go to, I go to Berlin in normal times, maybe three times a year. And I'm obsessed with the history of Berlin. And there isn't like an English language equivalent. For, I just find that mad. that <laughs> You can take this model and you can you can do it anywhere, really. And the, maybe the, the best thing about it has been the interviews that, you know, you interview people and you, you get their stories, their recollections down. And I love that, that there's a permanent, that, you know, when I'm gone and they're gone, that record will still be there. There's something nice about, I think something feels a lot more permanent about podcasts than blogs, because my background was in blogs. They always felt a bit ephemeral to me that, you know, Blogspot dies or WordPress dies and then it's all gone. Whereas I think there's something about the, this particular format that I think podcasts are going to be here for a, for a long, long time. They, I know they said that about the MP3 player as well, but <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do have some faith that the, 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 the medium is so unique and so special 
that I think podcasts will actually be with us for a long time. I think actually, I'd be interested in what you think on that. Yeah. I, no, well, yeah, it's, you know, I work in tech, you know, and so a lot of this change, you know, the work from home change, the new types of media that are coming out, you know, we talk a lot about 5G and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, it's making everything better. All right. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, to, to your perspective, to, to your, to your question, um, a lot's changed, right? It's been subtle. Maybe some of these things have crept up on us, right? Like we've always had the ability to podcast. And I was in the uh, music shop the other day and I walked in buy a cable for this microphone and <laughs> the guy goes, oh, are, are you doing podcasting? <laughs> like, like just by what I'm buying, right? There's this, he goes, yeah, we've had a run on all these things here. So I think it's interesting. Like, like you're saying, you know, in 30 minutes, life changed, right? You know, yeah. we can look at these incidental pop-ups in history where life changed in the space of 30 minutes, right? Um, and with all these new media types and, and, and things that are going on, right? Yeah, CDR. I don't think my kids actually know what CDs are anymore. <laughs> you know, like yeah. in the same way they don't remember what beta is or, you know, VHS or, you know, like the NTSC versus PAL, you know, formats, yeah. right? Those wars are done. You only know, like, vinyl has survived because it's so aesthetically interesting that kids like it because it's yeah, Instagrammable. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and so this this world where everything that we do, if you think about it, and I work a lot with data, right? I look at data from different different angles, how we create it, how we transform it, and how we consume it, right? So a lot of these things, yeah, you're you're right. Like, what's so special about a vinyl disc, right? <laughs> you know, if I look at it, yeah, you know, if I go back, I'm a guitar player as well, so I look at tubes and I look at you know or valves, mm. as you would say in the, in the great kingdom. Uh, <laughs> you know, I look at some of these old legacy analog, really, you know, completely divorced and removed from this, you know, on, ongoing digital world, right? And I'm like, it's interesting. Like, where history is repeating itself a little bit. So I think there's always that, there's always room for that. And you know, a, a conversation I was in yesterday was about augmented reality. So, like you had talked about people stopping by, and I'm glad you mentioned who Colin, right? Because that was one of the, my favorite episodes that you did. Um, the picture of it, or the portrait of it. You know, as we walk down the streets, you know, as we are able to do, and Google's done a little bit of work with this. I'm sure Apple's going to do something with it as well. You know, mm. being able to kind of layer over this this history, this facade, if you will, onto what we do in a daily life to see what had been done. You know, what if I was mm. walking down O'Connell Street and I was able to to see kind of overlaid on top of it, you know, what it was like in the early 20th century, right? Yeah. And have that kind of vision to things. I think it, what we're seeing is a lot of more immersion into these topics, a lot more integration into our daily lives. Like you're saying, it, we sit in situ <laughs> in our towns, yeah. in our countries and whatever, and we don't realize everything that's gone around us. You know, it's gone on around us that history has been formative. We are in a place that has been created by time. And, created by events and, and things and being able to stop, pause, listen, you know, hear folks like yourself who are able to kind of unveil, you know, what's been done and, and not realize, I know from my perspective, you know, I'm going to, I now look at, <laughs> at Dublin with different eyes and I'm looking forward to stopping by the post office and Great. You know, looking at those things. And so, um, yeah, technology has changed us. I think sometimes sort of better, a lot of times for the worse if we're not careful, but, you know, it's exciting to hear that you're using technology. You're, <laughs> you're able to come on this. I mean, we're, we're two guys talking about <laughs> history at, you know, middle of the day, your time and early in the morning, my time. 
and uh, <laughs> doing it over the internet, recording it, and then propagating this out to people who actually want yeah, to listen incredible. to us at some point. It's incredible. Isn't <laughs> it? it's just, it's, it's mind blown. It's absolutely yeah. mind blown. Absolutely. So I often I often think like when you when I go on the radio every week and news talk, it's in um, Marconi House, you know. Yeah. The, the the father of modern radio and you think god am i like that is really not that long ago yeah in the context of human history it's the blink of an eye ago isn't it the, how quick things have changed like yeah. television air and rte was born after my parents were born television wow. only came to ireland in the 60s and now here we are on zoom <laughs> exactly <laughs> things things move quickly when they move so your podcast where can they find it how can they support you and what you're doing Great. So um, it's on all the major platforms, as far as I'm aware. There's a new platform every week, I think, for podcasts, but it's, it's on all the big ones. iTunes, Spotify, Podtail, all of them. Uh, Tree Castles Burning. And of course, it's on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Tree Castles Burning. So it's, uh, it's gone well. And it's nice, actually, that uh, like back in March, for, for a couple of minutes, I was thinking, God, I don't know if I can do a podcast anymore because there are expenses in it. But the way people kind of rallied behind it, I just thought that was lovely. That people, uh, I like the model of, and I've actually since started doing it myself now with a few pods. I really like the model that people, uh, people chuck in a little bit of things that they like. I think that's it's it's fantastic. It's a great system. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time this morning, Donald. I you know wish you well and enjoy your your cuppa there and uh... ten to ten to eight in the morning over there. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going to go in for my third cup of coffee. I think myself. Oh, that's an idiot. Yeah, and then edit the hell out of it. So <laughs> we'll get it done. But I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for thanks for the thanks for the history lesson and uh, and your interview. So take care, Dave. Thank you for spending time with us today on Elemental Collision. Hopefully this history lesson about community has been useful. If you would like to support us, go visit us at patreon.com slash elementalcollision. As always, music is provided by Sean Tubbs, and we are very, very grateful for his support of the podcast. Thank you all, and have a great day.